Normally, we're preaching through a book of the Bible here at Grace Life, but we're kind of taking a, a break for a few weeks and doing something a little bit different because, you know, for the last couple of years, I think we would all admit that it's really been a struggle in our lives to have any type of consistency. We've struggled to have a routine that's dependable. We've struggled to have rhythms that we're able to walk in and live in over the last couple of years. About the time we would kind of get used to something and find a little bit of rhythm to our life, then something else would happen and and sort of mess all that up. And so we're kind of back to square one so many times. And so what has happened in the course of all this time is we've kind of to at least some degree, I think, abandon some really good and healthy habits in our lives and replace those with some not-so-good habits, habits that are not so good. Ultimately, when they reach their final destination, they even become destructive sort of habits. And I think we've even been affected in a negative way in two of the most important areas of our life. One, our relationship with God. I think a lot of us have been affected in some way over this season we've been in, in terms of our relationship with God. And I think secondly, we've also been adversely affected to some degree with our relationship with God's people. And I don't think there's two more important areas. Those at least are high on the list of areas in our lives that are important. And here's the deal. Today, y'all, we are 14 days away from Time Change Sunday, right? And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that I have unofficially changed the name of Time Change Sunday to Time to Change Sunday because we have been asking the Lord to change some things in our lives between now and March the 13th. That not only on March the 13th would the hands on our clocks change one hour into the forward, into the future, but that God would be changing our lives on that day, by that day as well, and moving us ahead, moving us forward in our life. And so we started last Sunday looking at what I believe are the three most important habits that followers of Jesus can have in their life. And if each of us would get these three habits lined up correctly in our lives, I'm convinced that all the rest of our lives would fall into the right order. So what are those three habits? Well, we want to be faithful, as we talked about last week, we want to be faithful to God's voice. God's speaking to us out of His Word. And we talked about that last week, and you guys have been reading together as a church family through the Gospel of John this week. Today's John chapter 7. Tomorrow we'll continue in John chapter 8. So faithfulness to God's voice, habit number one. Habit number two, faithfulness to God's ear, which is where we'll be today. And then next week we'll talk about faithfulness to God's people. And I'm convinced that we, when we get those three habits nailed down properly in our lives, that our lives are going to be positioned then to lead us to the destination that God has planned for us. And let me be clear, the destination is not heaven. That's a place, but the destination God has for us is a person, and his name is Jesus. God's desire is that we would know Jesus, and that we would know him more by the minute. That we would know him more today than we did yesterday, more tomorrow than we did today. That's the goal. The goal through these three weeks is not to get better at reading our Bibles. Although that's probably going to happen, that's not the goal. The goal over these three weeks is not to become more faithful in our praying. That's probably going to happen over the next three weeks, but that's not the goal. 
The goal over the next three weeks is not to become more devoted to my church family, although I think that's already happening. That's not the goal. Those three habits are merely the vehicles that take us to the goal, to the destination, which is to know Jesus. And you may be saying, well, Pastor, I already know Jesus. Really? Because if you really know Jesus, I don't think you can say you really know Jesus. Does that make sense? Because if anybody, I think, ever lived in this world that could say, I know Jesus, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But that's not what he said. Here's what he said for, uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. You see, the path to knowing Jesus is a well-worn path. That the people that have come before us have trampled down that pathway that leads to knowing Jesus. And they've done it with a faithfulness to God's voice. A faithfulness to God's ear. And a faithfulness to God's people. And we want to follow in those footsteps today. And I don't want us to lose sight of the destination over these weeks. I don't want this to become a a thought, a desire in your mind that we're trying to build habits to make us better people. That we're trying to build habits that make us better Christians. That's not the goal. Just simply chase after Jesus. He'll handle the changes that need to be made. Our eyes don't need to necessarily be on the changes that need to be made in our life, but on the changer who will make the changes in our life. So we want to pursue knowing him more and better. And you heard Pastor Rick read this to open our time together today. Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might, say it, know the Lord. Let us Press. Let's exert effort, energy, intentionality. Let us press on to know Him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. So we want to know Jesus more. That's it. And the way we get to that place is by establishing the habit of being faithful to God's ear. So let's spend a few minutes this morning talking about what Is it to be faithful to God's ear? And listen, this is stunning to me about God. Our God not only wants to talk to us out of his word, he's a God who listens. He's a God who stops and stoops and leans in to listen to you. And even to me, Christian, this morning, let this just hit you different when I say this. You have the ear of God. You do. Now let me tell you what to do with it. We want to be faithful to fill God's ear with the sound of our worship. With the sound of our worship. And I stand behind that point, but I kind of cringe a little bit when I say it. 
Because worship is more than a sound. And worship is more than a song. There's numerous definitions for the word worship. I really love the one that old Mr. Webster uses in 1828. He defined worship this way. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Let's just leave that up there for a minute because I know some folks are wanting to write that one down. Worship. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I don't know anybody that's deserving of that definition of worship, that type of worship, than God Himself. Let me ask you, why why would we worship God that way? Why would we worship God with this extravagant love and extreme submission? Why? Because of all he's done? No. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But when we're talking about worship, we're talking about honoring God with an extravagant love and an extreme submission simply because of who he is. All those words that are Boys and girls have been learning that I just pulled out of the box. That's that's the response. Our response to God is to worship Him with extravagant love and extreme submission simply because of who He is. We worship God because He is God. Period. And He's God all by Himself. Our extravagant love and extreme submission to the Holy One flows out of this reality that God alone is God. And so we worship Him because He is the self-sufficient God. We worship Him because He is the sovereign God. We worship Him because He is the holy God. We worship Him because He is the omnipresent God. We worship Him because He is the omniscient God. We worship Him because He's the omnipotent God. We worship Him because He's the immutable and unchangeable God. We worship Him because He's the God of all truth. We worship Him because He's the God of all wisdom. We worship Him because He's the God of all goodness. We worship Him because He's the God of all grace. We worship Him because He is love. We worship Him because He is the God of wrath. He is the God of righteousness we worship him because he's the God of justice we worship him because he's the eternal God we worship him because he is the faithful God we worship him because of who he is and every little mundane thing that we do in our lives should be done with the desire to express to God an honor an extreme love an extravagant submission and all that we do to God who alone is all of these words that we talked about and by the way he is all of those things perfectly He's not like an eight in sovereignty and a nine in holiness and a six in love. He is a hundred out of ten in all those categories. He is perfect in all of his ways. True worship worships God not because he's wealthy, but we worship because he's worthy. True worship doesn't worship God because he's good to us. True worship worships God because he's God. Think about this. Would you continue to worship God 
if today he cut off his supply chain of goodness and blessings into your life. If from this point right now forward, God did nothing else benevolent toward you at all, would he then cease to be worthy of worship? Or is your worship, up to this point in your development as a Christ follower, is your worship dependent upon God doling out blessings to you? As long as He's doling out the blessings to you, then you're still worshiping God. Well, listen, if that's you, I hate to tell you this, but you haven't been worshiping God. You've been worshiping you. Worshiping God. Extravagant love. Honoring Him with extravagant love. Extreme submission. It's a matter of our lifestyle. It's not just the songs that we sing. But, but here's truth. If we're worshiping God like that, it flows from our heart and into our lives and from our lips to His ears. And we want to be faithful to fill the ears of God with our worship. Express your extravagant love and extreme submission to Him. Simply because of who he is. Secondly, we want to develop the habit of filling God's ear with our praise. You say, what's the difference between worshiping God and praising God? I worship God simply because of who he is. I praise God for how I see who He is manifested in my life and in the world around me. Think of it this way. Our worship of God is very objective. It's very, our worship of God is very fixed. Here's what I mean by that. I'm only going to be able to pull so many descriptive words of God's character out of that box. I don't know how many I pulled out of there. Maybe 12. We could have a small group discussion later today. Can we think of any other characteristics of God, of who God is? We might could grow that number to 20. Maybe a few more. That's why I say our worship of God is very objective. It's very fixed. We all are going to worship God around just a small number of characteristics that describe who God is. In that sense, our worship of God follows a very narrow path. Does that make sense? But the way those attributes, the way these characteristics of God can be expressed in our lives, limitless. And that's what we praise Him for. How we see who He is manifested in our lives and in our world. For example, we will worship Him today because He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. But we will praise Him for how we have seen Him manifest His power in our life in thousands of different ways across this room this morning. Does that make sense? 
We worship Him because of who He is. We praise Him for what He does out of who He is. We worship God for being God. And we praise Him for how His Godness is displayed before us in our lives. And by the way, what He does always flows out of who He is. What this means is you really can't separate worship and praise. They just go together. Because God is who He is. His activity does what it does. And when I see His activity, I see who He is being manifested in my life. I praise Him for what He's doing. But that takes me back to who He is. And so I worship Him now for who He is. And as I worship Him for who He is, that tunes my heart to better see His works in my life. And now I'm more tuned and and acclimated to praise His works. And I praise His works, and it takes me back to who He is. And so I worship Him for who He is, and that tunes my heart to see His works. And I praise Him for His works, and that takes me back to who He... Do you understand? So we want to be faithful to fill God's ear with worship. God, this is who you are. And I worship you simply because of who you are. If the FedEx truck of your blessings no longer stops at my house, I will not stop to worship you because you are still God. We want to fill God's ear with our worship. And we want to fill God's ear with praise. God, this is, I'm praising you because this is how I've seen who you are on display in my life. This is how I've seen who you are at work in my life. I praise you for what you've done. I've praised, I praise you for your works, for how who you are has been manifested around me. So God stops, the God who speaks, he stops and he stoops and he listens and you have his ear. What are you going to do with it? Fill it with worship. Fill it with praise. Three, fill it with prayer. Fill it with the sound of your prayers. And just like our worship and our praise of God should never stop, neither should our praying. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying. Anybody want to stop worrying? Here's how you stop worrying. You start praying. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all He's done. Praise. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So as we we think about prayer this morning, I want to turn our attention to Dr. Luke. I think we all need to go see the doctor this morning. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, both written by a man who was a physician, a doctor. He really was one. He didn't just play one on TV. That really is what he did. And here's what's cool. I know we're reading John right now. Some people are reading Luke and John right now. 
we get through John, maybe you put it in reverse and go to Luke and do this study. I'll hit the highlights for you today. When you go through the Gospel of Luke, just underline or highlight every time Luke points to Jesus praying. It's amazing. He goes out of his way to show us how devoted Jesus was to prayer. Hey, and watch this. And if you and I are dead serious about wanting to know Jesus better, then we would be wise to follow his footsteps in the book of Luke and follow him and learn how he prayed and when he prayed and how he prayed and why he prayed. Look at Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Just open up the book of Luke and we're going to walk through our visit with the doctor there today. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Now, I think we can all agree, right, this is a huge moment. This is... Maybe one of the only moments that you see that triune God that Benson talked about a moment ago. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is one of the only times in Scripture that you see the triune God on display. This is a huge moment. God the Father speaking out of heaven. God the Son is in the water. God the Holy Spirit descending down like a dove. This is a huge moment. And you know what instigated this huge moment? The praying of Jesus. The Bible says that as he was praying, the heavens opened. Think about that. Jesus prayed and heaven came down. And then Jesus leaves that place and he goes out into the wilderness. And what does he do for 40 days in the wilderness? He's fasting and he is praying. And then Dr. Luke shows us in chapter 5, in verse 15. That there was a pattern in Jesus' life. Verse 15 says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of His power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear Him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. The crowds are coming like a tidal wave. But Jesus retreats to go pray. Think about this. He's only got three and a half years of public ministry. And a big block of that time he spent alone with his father in prayer. None of us better say, well, I'm just too busy to pray. You think you're busier than Jesus? Are you that arrogant that you think you're busier than Jesus? You don't know what busy is. You heal somebody that's sick tomorrow. You raise somebody from the dead tomorrow. You go feed the multitudes tomorrow with some saltines and sardines. And you see how many people are texting you and calling you and knocking on your door. You don't know what busy is. 
There's no human being that ever walked planet Earth that had a busier life than Jesus Christ, and yet he devoted a big chunk of his busy life to being alone with his Father in prayer. In Luke chapter 6, this big important thing is about to happen. Jesus is about to choose his 12 disciples. That's a big moment. Verse 12 says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. And then at daybreak, he called together his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Big, big things happen the next day. And he withdraws and he spends all night long in prayer with his father. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is about to give the disciples their biggest test so far. He's going to ask them two questions. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? But before he gave them this important test, you know what he did. He went away to pray. And then Luke chapter 8 tells us, or, or in chapter 9, he goes on and he tells us that eight days after uh, the guys took their test, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus takes three of them up on a mountain to pray. Luke 9, 28, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. Three chapters later, in Luke chapter 12, the doctor tells us that Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Hey, teach us how to pray. Think about that. They had seen him perform miracle after miracle of all kinds of sorts. But as far as they were concerned, what made his life different, what was the biggest characteristic, the number one defining quality of his life is that Jesus prayed. And they wanted to know how to do what Jesus did, teach us to pray. They knew that prayer was the key that opened heaven to the power of God. In Luke 22, Jesus is telling Peter that Peter's about to face a trial and what does Jesus say to Peter about that coming trial? Look at verse 31, Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Isn't that something? Simon, I've been praying for you. If you're a child of God today, let me remind you, he's pleading in prayer for you right at this moment. Right at this moment. He's holding all things together including you. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7 that right now at this moment, He is pleading in prayer for you, calling your name. The depths of your heart that you don't even know, He's pleading over that before the throne of grace. Later in that same chapter, chapter 22, Jesus gives the disciples a direct command. Verse 39, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and He went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And there He told them, Pray. That you'll not give in to temptation. And then Luke shows us that with his dying breath, Jesus prays. Verse 46, then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Now, do you believe as I do that Dr. Luke is writing a prescription here? And the, the prescri prescription says, pray. Pray. If Jesus, God in flesh, was so devoted to filling the ear of his Father with prayer, how much more should you and I be devoted and faithful to filling the ear of God with our prayer? You know, then Luke writes a second book, and we've been studying that book for the last nearly a year now. He writes the the book of Acts, and we've seen how central prayer was to the followers of Jesus through the book of Acts. You probably weren't paying attention to it because that wasn't exactly what we were looking for. 
But after you read John and Luke, then just keep on going to Acts and do a little prayer search in that too. And you will find that almost every single chapter of the book of Acts, God's people are praying. They had learned from Jesus. The church in the book of Acts understood that when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Listen, Grace Life. What was fundamental to them in the book of Acts can't be supplemental to us now. It's got to be just as fundamental to me and to you. If We want to know Jesus more. We need to be filling His ear, faithful to His ear, to fill it with sounds of worship and sound of praise and the sounds of our prayers. We want to focus on those things this week. Just like we focused on hearing His voice last week, we want to marry all that together this week. In the area of prayer, let me share a couple things that will maybe help you this week. On the back of your worship guide, we, we have a 14-day prayer guide. We could only fit seven days on this one. Next Sunday, we'll have the next seven days. Just to kind of give you a guide, some things to add to what you're already praying about. Most of you are going to lose this worship guide. A bunch of y'all like to leave them behind for us to come along and have to pick up after you leave. Please don't do that. That's really super annoying and disappointing, to tell you the truth. So take your trash with you when you walk out of the room. But I know you're going to lose this, so here's what you could do. You could take out your phone and just snap a picture of that so you'll have it with you and just kind of pray over that. This week. You already did it. You're ahead of me. Good job. Another thing that we want to help you do is related to prayers. You'll notice that we've just created a new prayer line at Grace Life, 24 hours a day. You can text it. You can call it. 205-277-PRAY. Easy to remember. 205-277-PRAY. If you use the church directory app, it's the very first one that pops up in the church directory app. But who's not going to remember 205-277-PRAY? Here's what we want you to do with this, okay? Um, the things that are significant to you that you want your pastors to be in prayer about, we want to be in prayer about those things, so we need you to let us know. We're not mind readers. And sometimes y'all call us or text us directly, and we always appreciate that. But i got to be honest with you, that doesn't always get conveyed to the rest of the team. And sometimes it just sort of gets dropped. And I apologize for that, but here's what I hope you'll understand. When I first started in ministry, I had one telephone. It sat on my desk at the church office. And if people needed you, they called you at work. And then you went home and there was no phone to ring. You didn't have a cell phone. You didn't even have email. That was the day that we lived in. Now we're living in this 24-7 world. And the reality is, just this past week, my phone starts getting text messages around 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm not complaining. And, and sometimes it goes to 11 o'clock at night. And I'm not complaining. Here's what I am saying. You can't be texting us 24-7 and expect us to never drop something. And expect us to remember everything. Or expect us to pass it on and share it with the right people. Because we have other funerals to go to. And, and we have kids' ball games to go to. And we have toilets to plunge, just like you do at your house. And so we get all these messages sometimes, and they're important, and y'all are so important to us. But when they come at a time when 
It's just not a real opportune moment for us. I can't guarantee that we're going to steward that need and that concern of yours really well. And we want to. That's why we've created this prayer in Caroline, because you matter to us. So we need you to call it or text it and let us know what's going on. So it goes on the official record. And then that gets communicated to our pastors. It gets communicated to life group leaders. And it gets communicated to our prayer teams. Okay? That doesn't mean you still can't text us directly. We would be disappointed if you stopped. You can still call us directly. I hope that you will. But our pastors know we got to train ourselves as pastors to say, hey, let's pray about that right now. And, and we are, we're available to help. We want to serve. But now here's what I want to ask you to do. When you hang up with me, then I need you to call 205-277-PRAY and get that on the official record. Because right now, I'm at my kid's ball game. And I don't want to forget, and I could. Right? Can y'all just say, pastors, we know you're human? Okay? We really appreciate that because we are way human. And so that would help us a lot. We still want to hear from you, but we want to get that on that official prayer and care line. So help us out with that. I'm excited about that because we want to be people of prayer. And not only people of prayer, but we want to be people who care. And we want to be doing all of that really well. So this will help us a lot. So worship, praise, and prayer. That's what we want to fill God's ear with. And I think that's the core to three strands. Worship and praise and prayer. The core to three strands that won't be easily broken. And here's the cool thing. We can do those three things anytime, anywhere. But I'll be honest with you. There's no place quite like this place. It's not because of this geographical location. It's because of the people who fill this place. When we get to be with the family of God, when we are gathered together and we get to join our hearts together in doing what we've been doing all week long, and we come together and we worship and we praise and we pray, there's nothing quite like that in all the world. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to fill the ear of God with our prayers. And then we're going to fill His ear with our praises. And then we're going to fill His ears with our worship. We, we, we're all kind of in the habit of filling the ears of people with our complaints and with our gossip and with our yan yan. But let's turn our attention today to saying, God, I want to develop the habit of filling your ears with praise, with prayer, with worship. So I want to ask you to bow with me and let's start with prayer. Where you sit right now in this moment, would you just begin to lift your prayers to the Lord? You could even take the prayer guide for this week. And as you go through that, there may be specifics in number one that comes to mind. And you pray over those. Or prayer point number two, specifics may come to your mind. And you pray over those. And you're welcome as we pray to take whatever posture you want to. You can stay seated. You can stand. You can come to the altar. You can just make an altar right there in your seat if you want to. 
could even walk across the room and pray with somebody. That's okay too. you continue to pray I was just thinking about earlier as we talked about Ukraine all of the family of God that's there too and today through prayer we get to do what those men did for Moses in the middle of a war right today we get to hold our brothers arms up we get to stand in the gap in prayer for them today What if today the saints of God, His church, gathered all around the world together interceding against this war, lifting our voices and our hands together in prayer and in praise to God? Wouldn't it be something to watch God deliver His people, to bring peace where there's been no peace? You're talking to the Prince of Peace as you pray. And the battle that you're dealing with in your own life, the doubts and the fears and the worries, the unknowns, bring them to the Lord. Let's lay them all before Him this morning. Fill His ear. The God who speaks has also stooped and stands now to listen. Think about the book of Acts when the people were gathered together to pray and an earthquake hit and the prison door opened up and Peter walked out a free man. Who's God delivering today? Because saints are praying. Who's he setting free today? Because saints are praying. Let's fill his ear this morning with the sounds of our praise. I want to invite you to stand as we praise the Lord for how we've seen him at work in our lives, at work around us, at work in our world. And here's how we're going to do this class. You get to vocalize your praise to God today, but you're going to have to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, you can say it out loud or you can just raise your hand and we'll know you're saying something to God right now out of the volume of the depths of your heart that only you and him can hear that you're praising him for. God, may you see hands lifted all across this room today as your people stand in praise of you, God, for how we have seen who you are displayed around us, working in our lives, around us in this world. 
from the bottom of our feet to the tips of our fingers, God, today, we give you praise because you are not dead. You are active and you are alive and you are moving in this world around us. Give him praise. Have you seen him at work? Have you seen his character manifested in your life? God, as we think on how we have seen you at work, how we have seen you moving in our midst, God, that takes us back to who you are. Because what you do flows out of who you are. And so, God, now we worship you. If today you stop doing anything good in our lives, we would go on worshiping you. Because who you are is never going to stop. Who you are is never going to change. Who you are is never going to be altered. There is no shadow of turning with you, God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so right now, God, we want to worship you in truth and in spirit, God, for simply who you are.